Hello, everybody. It is finally, it's been a month since a podcast has gone up on this platform, mostly because of coronavirus and terrible sickness that I've overcome. But this is a very, very, very special episode because I have a guest, which doesn't happen super often unless it's my father. So we have here Lydia Safford, who is somebody I have known for quite a few years now, like five, right? Yeah, I think it's been like five. Hello, everyone. Yes, like five years. And she's here to talk about, well, I guess together we're going to talk about things like the creative process and just life in general. I mean, none of these podcasts ever really go as planned when it comes to topics. Usually we go off topic pretty fast. So, but yeah, we're going to try and talk about some interesting things, maybe talk about being quarantined for like the next 1800 years and (laughs) but yeah so Lydia Safford how about you introduce yourself to everybody after my terrible second rate intro (laughs) (laughs) no I feel like it's probably better than mine's gonna be um yes I'm Lydia Safford I've known Eduardo um yeah I think for like four or five years we went to high school together which it's something we don't talk about because that wasn't fun. High school's um, awful. It was, yeah. It was not a good time. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I am a theater major, um, and in the future, I would love to be an actor, um, whatever that means. And, um, yeah, I'm also interested in directing and music stuff as well, which is cool. Um, I currently go to college in California, but... I'm home in New Hampshire right now because of the craziness that is happening, um, which is good and bad. I don't know how I feel about it yet. So, I find it very fascinating that we both went to the same high school and we both ended up at Christian schools in California, like less, less than 50 miles from each other. <laughs> yeah, I, it, that's life, man. It's that, crazy. <laughs> that, is, that is life. Um yeah, so A, I didn't know you were a theater major. That just totally became a thing for me right now. I oh, honestly don't know what I don't know what you were studying in school. I don't even think I had <laughs> any sort of general idea of what it was <laughs> until right yeah. now. Which is weird because we've definitely talked about this before. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm just a bad listener. That's just like a that's that's just a normal male trait, I guess. Um Okay, so, wait, so what year are you? Are you, uh... I'm a junior. Okay. Okay, yeah. So next year would be your last year? Yeah, it will. Wow. Uh, uh, I have yeah. next year... It goes year, by very huh? fast. What'd you say? It goes by very fast. <laughs> yes, I have next year and one semester. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I have three semesters left because of these mm-hmm. stupid requirements. Hmm. This happens when you take, like, three years to finish community college because you have, like, two jobs. Yeah. <laughs> but, Honestly. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about, I'm planning on going to grad school, but I don't know, man. I think, really? Yeah, I'm planning on going to grad school for special education. Um, 
this is something that I'm also really passionate about, but I just feel like, especially now with this quarantine schoolwork, I'm like, I don't want to do more school. Like, I just want to be done. <laughs> right, right. And it is, it's funny because, like, most people will be like, I'll just take the online class because it's easier. It's not easier at all. It's terrible. No, it's no. Like, it's worse. Especially it's... when, like, I've never taken an online class, and now I'm taking six of them. <laughs> <laughs> literally, <Like>. literally. <laughs> I, oh my god, I'm terrified. I think I've only had like I've had like an online history class and I've had like a half online statistics class, which I almost failed. Um, which I, I got literally my grade was a D plus. Uh that's how bad I am at math. And yeah, and now I have six of these stupid classes and I'm like, I can't even I'm it's so unmotivating to just go on to like mm-hmm. whatever what do they use at your school? So only one of my classes is doing a Zoom meeting twice a week. Um, so we use Canvas for. Oh, okay. We use Canvas pieces. too. Yeah. Yeah, it's so unmotivating to go on Canvas and have to submit assignments and click on Zoom links and. Ugh. Yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, well, what's it like being thrust back home unintentionally? <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so I honestly have been struggling this semester already. So <laughs> <from> what, <laughs> like, I was already in a low place, and then the quarantine happened, and I'm like, okay, just kick me while I'm down. That's great. Oh. Um, so for the first time in my life, I actually wanted to come home. Um, and so I was like, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to just like go home and deal with some things. Um, but it is it is weird. It's like a new world very quickly. And yeah, it's not my usual space for schoolwork. I mean, I guess I used to do high school here, but um, it's very strange. It's like my mind is still at school, but my body is here. And it's, yeah, I feel like I'm all over the place. <laughs> so earlier, back to what we were supposed to be talking about, <laughs> um, you mentioned you want to be an actress, which is something I definitely knew because I knew you in high school and we had acting class together in high school, which yeah, was, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully I know this considering how long <laughs> I've known you. Yeah. We had acting class together, which was something else. Um, oh, gosh. I think about that and I'm always like, what, <laughs> what was that entire class? Literally nothing. <laughs> I don't even know i honestly blocked out a lot of high school bro i i don't i'm pretty sure i don't remember anything past prior to my senior year of high school because like senior year was like my best year of high school Mm -hmm. but like those first two years definitely not and then junior year i was like it was like marginally better but so what inspired you to want to be an actress because that's something i do not know and then, and these people definitely should know this. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really interesting question because I kind of forget. Um, <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's so interesting. It's like this has become my life, and I'm like, wait, how did I even start doing this? So, um, I think I can probably credit my mom for getting me into theater in the first place, which she'll appreciate. Um, I started acting probably when I was like, Oh, gosh, I don't even know, like, eight or ten. 
And I think the first time I really thought, okay, this is something that I want to do for the rest of my life was shortly after my dad died, I was in a play about the Columbine shooting. Um, And this is like, yeah, heavy (laughs) stuff. You're like, I was not expecting that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was like, well, this this interview just took a very dark turn all of a sudden. I feel like everything I do takes a dark turn. Oh my gosh. Um, So, and this was like a couple months after my dad had passed, I believe. Um, And I had to stand up, like, and give this monologue. And I remember just feeling so overwhelmed. And I remember thinking, okay, this is the first time my dad is not here. Like, I know that he's not in the audience, and that's, like, breaking my heart. Um, And I don't even know how I stood up, but I just stood up and started doing it. And in my mind, I was like, no, like, I'm going to use the actual pain that I'm feeling and put that into this character. Um, And I think that's the first time that theater was really there for me. Um, And it was something bigger than myself that I could focus on. And so I guess that kind of inspired me to actually want to do this. But for as long as I remember, I've wanted to, to be an actor. So That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, okay, so it's has sort of just been a part of your life for the entirety, for the entire time, which I kind of get because I feel like when I knew you in high school, you had like, uh, it seemed like it was something that you already like super deep in, like, you know what I mean? It seems like yeah, you had spent yeah. like years prior to it just working on it. <laughs> mm. So now you're a theater major in your college in California. And you said you spent some time in New York, so I guess I'll, I guess first off, I'll ask you about what it was like moving to California to do kind of school and theater, and then we can talk about what was going on in New York. Yeah, I like some of that. Um, yeah, well, my senior year of high school, um, I guess different from yours because you said yours was kind of. Um, you know, the best year of high school. For me, it was the worst. <laughs> um, I was just not having a good time, and that's, like, due to family stuff and also just, like, relationship stuff. Um, and I honestly just wanted to, like, get out. And I guess I, I had that mindset before, because, you know, I think junior year is when you, like, apply to everything. And so I just wanted something new. Um, I'm also, I would call myself an adventurer. I like traveling. I like being in new places and getting to know new people. So I kind of applied just, like, everywhere. I think I applied to, like, 10 colleges, which is insane. Um, And Biola University offered me um, a scholarship that I could not turn down. And so my mindset was, I'm going to be an actor. I'm not going to have a lot of money. Um, I'm going to take the scholarship while I can get it. And so that... Honestly, it's kind of the reason for me choosing Viola. It definitely wasn't my top choice, but um, I'm really thankful that I did choose it. Nice. So, what is what is the what is your rating of the theater program at Biola? Now we can we can, we can dish some some tea about Biola for anybody thinking about going <laughs> there to be a theater major. Oh God. Um, honestly, there's so many positives to it. 
Um, I remember when I was visiting the school, my mom was with me, of course, and she was like, let's, like, stop by the theater. And I was like, oh, my God, please, no, no, like, we're not doing this. And she was like, yeah, let's go. I was like, okay. So we stopped by, and we had no plan to meet the professor. And um, the main theater professor just, like, welcomed us in, and they were in the middle of taking headshots. Um, of students and he's like yeah come on in and he talked to us, to us for like 40 minutes um, and so I think that is just like a huge thing with Biola Theater 21 is that it's such a great community and the professors truly care about you and are willing to spend time with you and to help you through things um, it's also really great because it's a small theater program which has its pros and cons of course we don't have um, all the all the resources that we should have or um, that we want to have, but that pushes us to use what we do have. And, um, yeah, with it being a small community, it's just really like a family. And I'm honestly sad to graduate and leave that family because, you know, I feel like I'm going to have these connections for the rest of my life. So if you're thinking of my bioma, it is a small program, um, but... The work we do is so intentional and so impactful, I think. Awesome. So, the time you spent in New York, I don't really know what you were doing in New York, but I would be super happy for you to tell us what that is and what you were doing. Yes. Because it looked interesting. And then I remember being like, did Lydia Safford just move to New York? <laughs> and I was like, Drop so... Everything, yeah, I was so confused. <laughs> I was like, did this chick just like dip from like life? <laughs> I wish. Um, that's my plan eventually, honestly. Um, yeah, so I have always wanted to do like a study abroad. And so my two options were London or New York. Hmm. And London didn't really work out. And I feel like that's for the better because I don't see myself having a career in London, um, but New York seems more realistic. So actually, it was my roommate, sophomore year, who transferred from the King's College in New York City, um, which is where I ended up, and so she was like, hey, they have a theater, um, theater program, but like theater semester program, and she was like, you have to do it, like, you just have to, and so I just applied and said, okay, and, um, I'm actually the first one at Viola who has done the King's College theater semester. Um, people have done, like, journalism and stuff. But, yeah, I kind of just did it, and um, I felt like I needed something to challenge me creatively, and I'm so glad that I chose for New York because it has impacted um, my acting technique and skills and also just who I am as a person. So I took some classes at the King's College, and then my favorite class is my acting class at the Matthew Corazine Acting Studio, uh, and I learned so much about who I am, and I've learned so much about um, other people and just about acting in general and, and what we're really doing when we're on stage. Um, so yeah, I have like the things I wanted to say because I, I tried to prepare. Um, <laughs> so basically, I hope I'm getting this definition right. Um, I tried to remember the best of my ability, but um, so the rising technique is all about um, 
being impulsive, working off your impulses and being present with the other actor. And so our definition of acting that we go off of is acting as living and behaving truthfully and fully under imaginary circumstances. So that's kind of our basis for what we build on. And so I learned, I think the biggest thing that I learned in New York was that acting is sacrificial. Um, and I guess you could say that it differs how you approach acting, but her Meisner technique is all about taking your eyes off of yourself and putting it on your partner um, and just being self-aware of, of yourself and other people and listening to others and tearing down the walls that society has had you build up um, through your childhood. And, um, so just learning that technique and really being thrown into that was terrifying. I remember walking in and just feeling like I did not belong, but I left feeling like, no, I, I do belong here and this is a home for me to come back to when I'm ready. Um, so yeah, New York is just, I feel like New York represents the beauty of the world and the human nature, which can be ugly, but still beautiful, if that makes sense. Um, it was a really crazy time. I mean, I feel like it kind of didn't happen, but I have little reminders to show me that it did, and that it's something that I can return to, which is nice. What type of things did you, like, take part in when you were in New York, like, were there, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Was there, like, any sort of production that you were a part of, or, like? Yeah. So I worked on um, two productions for the King's College. I was the assistant stage manager for a server carnival, which was a student put on show. And then I worked on props for um, Songs for a New World. And honestly... It was really interesting. I, it, there were so many things that happened that I was just like, what is going on? And <laughs> it made me really thankful for Viola's theater program, actually, because, you know, I don't want to, like, put the King's College down. They're amazing. They're incredible. But um, I definitely missed my theater program and kind of the professionalism and, like, excellence that we bring to the work that we do. Hmm. Um, but it was cool. It was great to work with new people um, and kind of see how other people do what they do. And then I was part of a 24-hour play marathon for the acting studio. So I wrote a piece and directed it. And um, that was the first time that I kind of, like, wrote something for the stage, which mm. is a whole other ballpark that I am just, kind of getting into um i took a playwriting class when i was there which is really cool um it's insane like i don't even know how people write plays even though i've taken the class i'm like it's just <laughs> it's insane to me um but people are super creative so i was part of that play marathon which was really cool and i kind of just threw myself into it um and i remember being so terrified for people to see my work um it's like, I know I'd rather feeling. be on... Sorry, go ahead. I said, I know that feeling. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would much rather be on stage and acting than to sit in the audience and watch something that I wrote. Like, it's 
I felt like I was going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Did people like it, though? And Yeah, I got some good feedback. I think something that scared me even more was, of course, I had to do something, like, super serious. Um, and I was like, wait. Like, because when you're mostly doing dramatic work, like, no one laughs, of course. Yeah. So you don't have that kind of, like, positive feedback. So you're like, either these people are sitting here thinking, what the hell, or they're being <laughs> affected by it and moved by it. But it's so hard. Or they're just bored. Yeah, that's something that it's like, it's weird because it almost also feels like drama stuff is sort of like, at least for, I feel like for a lot of people, like an easier thing to like try and write first, you know what I mean? Mm. And like comedy is something that's like, because let's be real, like writing something to be funny is hard. Like, it's really hard, especially if it's like, because you can be told you're funny your whole life, but when it, but like a lot of that is sort of like because you're like funny in a situation because you know how to like react good to something but when it comes to like straight up writing like jokes and like scene long things that are supposed to be funny and like encompass like a whole setup and punchline for stuff like i'm like that's hard that's like this part probably why i've never even attempted to write a comedy in my entire life because i'm like yo this is like extremely hard (laughs) Yeah, I'm also just not a funny person, so... I don't like, know about that, what you said, but... <laughs> <laughs> kind of what you said, like, I think people think I'm funny because I react to things, and, like, my face is insane. Like, I have, like, facial expressions, and I don't even know that I'm doing that, so people laugh because of that, but... Yeah, you're very I emotive. Sit, yeah, I can't, like, sit down and write something funny. Like, it, it, it would be a disaster, so yeah. I'm... <laughs> Kudos to people who can do that, and of course, doing the play marathon, like everyone else's, was funny, and I was the only one who was serious, and I was like, oh my god, this is a nightmare. Oh no, that's always the worst when you're the odd one out when it comes to the genre. Yeah. Everybody else has like the same tone, and then there's yours, and you're like, oh shoot. Yeah, it's like, wait, why am I here? Well, that's interesting. So, what, what was it about? I'm curious. Oh, God. Uh. Um, I don't remember the name. <laughs> I don't even remember the name of it. I oh. think I blocked it off, too. <laughs> oh, no. I have a problem. Um, so it was about a mother and a daughter. So basically how it worked was we picked our actors out of a hat. So we didn't know if we were going to get a guy and a girl. We didn't know if we were going to get, like, two girls or what the age difference was going to be. So I picked my actors out of a hat, and... Uh, I think at first I got a guy and one of the girls that I used, and then I, like, switched with someone, because I was like, no, I need to do a mother and daughter. I don't know why, but that was kind of my first instinct. Um, so it was, yeah, so we put your actors out of the hat, and then, I actually have my application, I can see what they were. They gave us, like, certain things that we had to incorporate into our piece. So everyone had a certain line of dialogue. Everyone had a certain prop. Um, oh, God, let me find it, because it's too interesting. Hold on. Ah. Okay, maybe, I, oh, okay. So, <laughs> our scene for the night was things that go bump in the night, okay? Okay. 
our um, line of dialogue was from Stephen King. It was, the scariest moment is always just before you start. And then our prop was a toilet brush. Okay? So we had to incorporate all of these things. Um, and my first thought was, okay, the scariest moment is always just before you start. My mind went to, I'm laying in bed and I'm having new thoughts late at night. Like thoughts about my life and the purpose of my life or different relationships. And so I at first wanted to do monologues of people like at night in New York City and talking about what keeps them up at night. So that was my first thought. And then I realized that I couldn't really do a monologue because the actors have to memorize this in less than 24 hours. So I was talking to the guy who put it together, and he's like, yeah, maybe don't do that. I was like, okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it ended up being a mom and a daughter um, late at night, and the dad had left them. And that was kind of the premise. And at one point, um, my set was just two chairs that acted as beds, and so they were on opposite sides of the stage. And at one point, the daughter would get up and say a little piece about everything that's happening, and then the mom would get up. And then at the end, they kind of came together and, and talked about things. So that was kind of the premise. I kind of forget everything that it was about, but it was really interesting to put together. Wow. So what sort of feedback did you get from that from the audience um (laughs) whenever somebody has to clear their throat before they answer a question means it's gonna be a tough answer i know um so i remember as soon as they finished there was a moment of silence oh "Oh, my god i was like what did i do wrong and then they started clapping so i mean i didn't get a standing ovation but people clapped um but I think because everything else was, you know, people turned it into a funny situation, which obviously makes sense with the toilet brush and, like, the theme. Um, but the Stephen King line, the scariest moment is always just before you start. That just, like, really hit me. And I, maybe that's just because I take things, like, in a serious way. But, um, yeah, people enjoyed it. My mom was there, which is cool for her to see something. And I remember when I told her it was about a mom and a daughter, she was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, no, it's not about us. I promise. <laughs> and she was like, oh, God. I was like, it's not about you. Um, because the daughter was kind of upset at the mom. Um, and, yeah, so people seemed to enjoy it. Um, I think it was kind of cool to stand out, um, to kind of be the only demonic one. Um but it was also terrifying. <laughs> what do you what did you think you learned from like that experience? I learned to go with your gut. Um and it's not gonna feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um but I think as an artist it's really important to go with your instinct and to like stick with it. Um and I think it can be really hard, um Obviously, you want people's feedback and you want people's input, but it can be hard to not change that instinct when other people are exposed to it. But I think, you know, art is all about telling the truth and reflecting that in whatever piece you create. And I think your instinct is part of that. 
and like you have a certain impulse for a reason and whether it's acting or screenwriting or directing you need to go with that impulse because it's there for a reason hmm cool do you have any uh that's interesting i feel like um being on i guess not necessarily a similar sort of path because like i'm a film major so like my whole thing is making movies but having to deal with actors for that stuff um i was working on a short before the coronavirus happened so obviously that got canceled because i was making it back in california (laughs) but um i feel like like it was the first time in a long time where i had to direct somebody who was who had done like theater and stuff like that because I had like a female lead um in the movie that I was making and I feel like that whole like going with your gut thing like that's definitely something that at least in that experience that I definitely shared and learned because I felt like when I was making it I spent like a lot of time trying to plan it out like to the T like before we would do production and stuff like that and kind of figuring out what I wanted beforehand. But I remember like coming onto set, um, coming onto set, meaning just going to wherever we thought we should film it, <laughs> going to whatever location yeah. I, I set up. But um, that you can't really plan for like what the atmosphere of all of that is going to be, especially mm. like on the day, you know what I mean? And when you have people yeah. there like helping you and everything's all set up and stuff like that. So I definitely remember feeling like, okay, I think I need to lean in more to like what feels, what feels like it's like what feels right instead of like what I planned, because sometimes what you plan isn't necessarily what things are once you get there, because it's different when you're just like sitting down writing, right? And you're like, oh yeah, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and it's going to look like this and you have this whole picture set up in your mind there's a saying where it's like when you make a movie you make a movie three times you make it when you write it you make it when um on production and then you make it again when you're editing so well that's sort of like i don't know i i understand i i feel like i understand like that lesson that you've learned yeah and it's definitely not easy to do right yeah of course you want to plan things so they go well um and i've done a few um because Viola has a really big film department. Hmm. So I've done a few student films, and I, I have seen that before, where, like, they're planning and planning, and then, like, I'm there, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to kind of go with my gut. But it's, it's different for film as well. Um, but I think something that I've tried to do is, like, take the direction I get, but also kind of have a conversation with them and be like, hey, like, what kind of freedom do I have? It's all about, like, giving and um, taking. Yeah, that's the thing, especially, like, somebody who, like, as somebody who directs, that's something that, like, I've learned a lot about, like, when you talk to actors, like, you have to give them a lot, but you have to, like, allow them to move a lot, too, like, within Mm -hmm. that. Like, you can't, like, limit people super hard when um, when you're wanting them to act for you because you may, like end up causing um well most of the time what you end up doing is like you end up causing like this weird quality to like their acting because Mm. you've given them like too much to think about when they're acting (laughs) so like yeah 
they end up trying to like follow what you're saying to a T, but it doesn't like work perfectly because it doesn't feel natural. Because right. in their head, they're they're like, okay, I got to do this and this and this, and they're keeping all that kind of in their brain. But you're not like, but but there's no room for them to like figure out what it feels like. You know what I mean? So they're not even yeah. like in the moment that you're trying to have them be in. So yeah, I feel like that's definitely something I was like when I was learning when I was directing. Uh, that was you have to kind of let people like feel out what's going on and then sort of trust them enough to like decide what's best for it and then like trust yeah. yourself enough to like give direction for what's best for it but you can't like yeah i feel like the sign of a nervous director is an over controlling director you know what i mean mm. like they have like they're micromanaging everything especially actors performances and that doesn't really help yeah honestly that's the worst thing of an actor <laughs> Yeah, is getting too much direction. That's just, like, super yeah, limiting. Yeah, or even just, like... I feel like as an actor, you can tell when someone doesn't... You can tell when, when, like, a director doesn't trust you. And that it makes you not trust yourself, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. For sure. So, New York is a very interesting place. I've been a couple times. Do you have any yeah. crazy New York stories... Anything anything interesting or wild happened to you or that you witnessed when you were in New York? Yeah, so you honestly kind of get used to people being crazy. Um, <laughs> like, that's something I had to get used to. Like, walking down the street is so different than walking down the street in California. I mean, there are crazy people in LA, too. But um, even just, like, just random things that happen, you kind of just have to ignore people when you're walking. Um, but a few things happened. So I had a rat in my apartment, which is fun. That's, um, that sounds like the most New York start to a story ever. I had a rat yeah. in my apartment. Yeah, and of course, when I like told people who I knew in New York, they're like, yeah, that happens. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, excuse me? Yeah, so it was an experience. And this was at like 1230 um, at night. So it was terrifying. My roommate Rachel and I were working on homework, and I just heard this scratching. And I kind of want to like, how do I do it? I want, I want you to hear this. Like it was like, okay, here, ready? I'm gonna okay. put my phone. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you heard that. I did. Uh, it sounded. Okay. That would unsettle me at twelve thirty in the morning for sure. I was like, Rachel, do you hear that? Because I thought I was going crazy. I was like, Rachel? She's like, yeah, I hear that. So we walk over to the kitchen, and there is a rat. A rat pokes out from the, behind the oven. And I, like, look at, I look directly in its face, and I'm like, holy shoot. And then it does back behind the oven. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was due partly because, like, our apartment is known for rats, but also because, there was some people we were living with who, like, were not cleaning up after themselves. Oh. Um, and so it was kind of like a conflict. Um, but that was fun. Um, the other thing was that, thankfully I didn't have too many, like, scary experiences, but I was on the subway late at night by myself, and it just completely stopped. <laughs> um, and they were, like, we just, like, sat there for ten minutes, and then the 
speaker came on and they were like, please exit the train. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? <laughs> and so we had to get off. And of course, there was this guy who was like trying to talk to me. And I was like, dude, like, I do not want to talk to you right now. Like, please leave me alone. Um, and so then I had to get off at a stop where I like didn't really know where I was. So I'd like figure that out. So it was a little unsettling. And there were like, of course, men around who were like trying to talk to me. And I was like, please, I just want to get home. Um, but other than that, that is kind of all that happened, thankfully. Yeah. There were no weird actor people in the theater program. <laughs> um, honestly, everyone at the studio was, like, incredible. Um, wow. My roommate, had, my roommate had a weird experience with one guy, um, but I did not. Everyone was, was really cool. Recently, I was... um. I was key grip on a on a on a person's senior project, so uh-huh. it was like a real film set basically because there was like, I was actually surprised at how much equipment my school actually had, <laughs> and I was like, oh shoot, we actually like can do stuff. Um, and the, so the lead, it was like a zombie movie, and the lead was this girl, and there was a point in the thing where she was supposed to cry because like. Her sister died or something. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be giving out this information. The short film hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> oh, well. I'm pretty sure the director doesn't listen to this podcast. And um, and I remember, like, seeing her crying, but not knowing what scene we were on. <laughs> and being like, what is going on here? Like, I was so confused. I was like, oh, shoot, that chick is crying over there. And I was like, and people were talking to her, and I was like, oh my god! I was like, yo, something happened on this set that I wasn't here for. That's what I get for taking. That's what I get for taking a nap between shots. And I was like, oh dang! And then, um, and then, but she, but then I realized like she is, was crying continually for like two hours, <laughs> and I was like, what is going on oh, here? Lord. Like I was so confused, like. And, they, and then the director came up to her and I and then I finally like figured out what we were doing because like I was talking to the DP because I need to help her like get stuff set up for shots and stuff like that. Mm. And then I was like, oh, and then I just remember being like, that is like, I don't know, that freaks me out. Like how quickly someone can transition into an emotion like that, like. Yeah. It's different when I see it in movies because I feel like, oh, yeah, you just get caught up in the whole thing and, like, it's emotional or whatever, right? Although I should know better because I know, like, being in scenes in movies and making them is, like, it completely destroys the experience. Like, <laughs> being on set and then seeing a movie is, like, two very different things. Um, they're, yeah. like, not even comparable to each other. But, um... <laughs> But yeah, I don't. I don't know. That was just weird to see in real life, like somebody like going because she was like cry. It felt. It looked like she was crying, like like it was coming deep from her soul, like something had happened. I was like, "Yo, this chick just got like assaulted on the set, and, like nobody knew about it, and now she's crying." Oh my I was like, "What is happening?" But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was just weird it's for even me. Even more intense. I feel like it's even more intense when you're the actor who's transitioning like that, and you're like, "Wait." What, what just happened? How did I do that? Like, yeah, exactly. It kind of feels scary. Um, I think something else that I learned that you just reminded me of is knowing what triggers you and hits you as an actor. Um, 
my coach always says, he's like, as an actor, you have to be okay with being triggered. Um, and obviously, <laughs> like, in a healthy way. Like, you don't yeah. want to touch an area that's, like, too soon to touch emotionally. But just knowing what hits you. Like, I feel like that's something I learned was that when I'm figuring out, like, a monologue for an audition, like, I need to figure out what hits me. Like, what does me? What is going to um, make me feel a certain way? Um and so that's, like, really important. I feel like before I went to New York, I had no idea how to properly audition for anything because I would kind of just pick material that, like, fit whatever play or situation that I was auditioning for rather than figuring out, like, what kind of material actually gets a reaction for myself. And that's different for every actor. Hmm. Hmm. If you don't mind me asking, what is the thing? Or what is like, one of the things that you use? Yeah, I think one of the things is being alone. Um, just loneliness and fear of being alone. Um, and then also, like, because I've lost people in my life, like, that theme of loss and death is a huge thing. Um, and for, yeah, for other actors, it could be literally anything that they just that just gets them wow okay this see this is why i can't be an actor because i've spent so spent so much of my time trying to not be in those emotions <laughs> that i'm yeah. like i just rather not even remotely even think about those things that i hate mm. hmm interesting so i totally had a question that i was thinking about and i totally just forgot it <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. When you were, um, so what would you, doing theater, like, what makes you, like, like doing theater? Like, what about it? Because I know, like, because cause you're, like, a theater major and you want to act and, like, you've done short films with people and you've done, like, stuff on the stage. I'm assuming that you like the stage more. Um... I feel like I'm still trying to figure that out. I, yeah, oh, okay. I would say yes. Yeah, okay. so that's also something I learned in New York was multiple, multiple people came up to me in my class and also my coach, and they were like, you need to do so. I was like, uh, what, why? What do you mean? They're like, you just you need to do it. And so that's also something I took away um, is that I should explore so more. So, yeah, I would say my first blood is the stage. And I do want to do stage work. But I also want to explore film. Because um, I think that, again, like I was saying with my, like, facial expressions. Yeah. Like, I think it's really good for, like, up-close things. Um, and, yeah, I think my acting more specific for film. So, I forget what the question was. But I'm interested in both. Um, yeah. Well. What was your question? I don't even that remember. was that, that was my question. Oh, my question was <laughs> why my question was why do you like the stage more? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess my answer is like I'm figuring that out, I guess. Um I guess part of it is like I've been an audience member and I've seen stuff on stage that's like impacted me so much and I wanna be able to do that for other people. And I also like stage hmm. more because, like, every night is different. And it just 
to me, it feels more in the moment because it literally is. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the main difference. But also film is really cool for the other way in that, like, you're able to kind of um, show people exactly what you want to show them. Whereas stage, it's like the audience can look at anything they want that's going on. Yeah, that's definitely... So, like, I've done... Obviously, I've made shorts, and then I've also worked on, like, I've been in um, some of, like, the plays at, like, our high school. Like, when I was in Mm -hmm. eighth grade, I was in, I was, like, an extra in, like, our production of Aladdin, which was interesting. (laughs) And then, shoot, I don't remember what the next play was. I think we did Fiddler on a Roof in, like, my freshman year. And then I wasn't in that, though. I think my sister was in it, so I just had to show up to play practice. And then I think it was my sophomore year I had to help Mr. Perus on... Oh, maybe that was Fiddler on a Roof was the year I was helping Mr. You know, I don't know. But I don't know what freaking plays when they happen and when. I think I was helping him when we were doing Fiddler on a Roof. And, um, yeah, there's definitely, like, a difference when it comes to, like, what it feels like being on stage and like having that happen because like you said like it's different every time and people like improv differently sometimes like when they're comfortable with what's going on right like there's more of a um like a risk in like oh I can try something right now like it's live it only happened once right there's like an ephemerality to it where like with film it's like what you said like it's super like it's controlled like film is more about trying to like capture those moments to ensure that like they live on forever and then theater is more about providing like a once in a lifetime in the moment like experience that like you have to be there to understand yeah which i think i just naturally gravitate towards but i think both arts are respectively like super cool and what you can do with them did you ever do plays at bca yeah i did um radium girls Oh, wait, wait, yeah, yeah, I remember Radium Girls, I remember, I still don't really understand what the plot to that movie was, I mean, to that play was. To the play, first of all, it's not a movie. I said said movie, I don't know where that came from. Um, And then I was in the cask of Amontillado. Is that what we Um, did the next year? Yeah, I think that, I don't even know, was that senior year? Oh, no, and then I was in Annie. Oh, my God, how could I forget? Annie, yes, I do remember. We did Annie. Yeah, that was... Who are you in? In Annie, I was, um... I was Mr. Warbucks, but as a woman. (laughs) (laughs) It was was incredible. I'm telling you, I felt so empowered. I was like, yeah, I'm Mrs. Warbucks. Watch out. (laughs) That's hilarious. So, Mrs. Warbucks... Oh, yeah, there was, like, a whole Annie gender swap thing. Was Mrs. Hannigan, like, Mr. Hannigan? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I guess they kind of have to do that because, like, isn't Mrs. Hannigan, like, crushing on Daddy Warbucks for, like, part of it? I think, yeah, I think so. She's trying to, like, be with him. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I'll never forget that. Thank you, <laughs> Mr. Cruz, for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Proust is an interesting character. You know, it was funny, um, one time my mother was watching some PBS Masterpiece Theater thing, 
and she mm-hmm. like called me in, like across the apartment i was like what what what's going on and she was like is that M- matthew and i looked and it was mr perus on this pbs <laughs> masterpiece it was so <laughs> weird <laughs> and i watched oh this like God. he looked <laughs> He was in like he had like one shot and he like walked in, he like kind of pranced in and said something and then he pranced away. <laughs> I was like, "What? What what was that?" And then and then wow. I was like, "Oh shoot. Mr. Proust was an actor. I completely forgot about that. That that's like yeah. his, that that's like what he does is he acts." Although yeah, now I think it's Yeah, although now I think he's selling like defibrillators across the country or something. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Yeah, what he's you... also a large part. Sorry. No, what were you gonna? I was literally gonna ask you to continue what you literally just started saying. No, oh, I was gonna say he's also a large part of why I ended up in California. Oh, really? Um, for school. Yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I love how I don't explain that. I'm like, yeah, he was a large part of that. Um, <laughs> the end. <laughs> Yeah, well, because he used to do some work out in L.A. Yeah. And he was like, hey, Biola is, like, a good place. You should apply. So I did. And then that happened. They gave you the money. I remember when I was in eighth grade, Mr. Perus told us a story when he was in California. And he didn't have health insurance. <laughs> and he got into a car crash. <laughs> and he oh, broke no. his nose. <laughs> and he said <gasps> he got out of the car and he was all like bloody and everything from the car crash and people and he he said he got out and he told people not to call the ambulance because he didn't have health insurance (laughs) he was like don't call the ambulance i'm not going to the hospital paying for that so my god and then he said something like he had to get plastic surgery for his nose i'm pretty sure that sounds like the life of an actor that sounds like the life of mr perus for sure yeah. I feel like yeah. his whole life is just... <laughs> oh my god, I miss that man. I really do. He was, he was interesting. I remember one time he told us he met Judy Dench. And I'm literally like, <laughs> my dude... That's like, like, who doesn't want to meet M? Like, from James Bond? Like, come on, man. But yeah, I don't, I don't know how... I mean, he was also like, probably... He was also like in his 40s or something like that when like by that time so obviously I had a lot of time to rack up all these experiences yeah I've still have you met anybody famous in California yet because I to this day have not met or s- met one not one famous um, person <laughs> or seen I have anything not. no I saw Jake Gyllenhaal in New York whoa I saw, uh, yeah I saw a play that he was in um and so I actually have a video because we like stage short it and he actually came out and I so yeah I like saw him Pretty close up, which is cool. Dang, that's pretty awesome. Dang, yeah, I've not seen anyone in California. Yeah, I've only seen like one pro skateboarder. I know somebody who lives in the same neighborhood as Tony Hawk, which I was like, whoa. What? Yeah, I know, and I was like, huh? And that we were just talking about it the other day, and I was like, bro, why didn't I not know this like whole side of your life? <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like we've literally been talking like the, like for two semesters straight, and I didn't even know anything about this. And then um, the only other like famous person I've ever like seen in my life was I saw Lord in concert when she came to Boston for the Melodrama oh, yeah. World Tour. But like that was it. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's a distinct lack of famous people. 
around <laughs> around where yeah, I am. It's, it's, I feel like people just get lucky when they see someone. Yeah, I've also never been to L.A., so maybe that was part of it. Are you still in California right now? No, I'm not in California right now. I'm back yeah. home. I came home because they, they shut down all the dorms, and they were like, everybody has to leave by the end of the week. And I was like, buh, 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 what? <laughs> yeah, oh. that's scary. Yeah. <clears throat> did they kick you guys out, or did you just, like, come home voluntarily? So I came home voluntarily, because I was like, I'm out of here. It was also really bad in California. Oh, so, okay. Um, but yeah, I lived in a on-campus apartment, so it was a little bit different, but... Basically, they were like, yeah, you guys can stay if you like. And then they transitioned into, if you guys are really desperate, you can stay, but everyone should probably leave. So I'm glad I left when I did, because I knew that eventually they were going to kick people out. Yeah, for mine, they were just like, like, they were like, oh, yeah, everybody can stay in the dorms. It's all cool. They were like, if you left for spring break, like, you should probably just take your stuff with you and just not come back. Uh, and then they extended <laughs> spring break a week, and then I was like, oh, shoot, spring break is extended a week this will be awesome of two whole weeks to just watch movies and then um and then at the be and then there was like the monday of the second spring break week they were like okay everybody has to leave <laughs> they were like if you like need to stay then you can petition to stay but basically everybody has to go and i was like this is the most frustrating thing ever and then i had to like very quickly pack up and mail all my stuff like back home yep that was atrocious i was like that was some of the most stressful <laughs> time of my entire life and i was up at like midnight just like packing up boxes and like putting them by stuff and then i had to like take like two trips to ups because i had like i had like a tv and a computer and like a whole box full of school books and I was like this is this is too much mm. yeah but it's yeah, whatever the books are the worst <laughs> yeah and that box is heavy and I have it and mm. I'm like okay they should never make buying books for school like we should just not do that that should just not be a thing anymore because let me tell you I have about 10 books for this freaking school and I've not used one of them Oh, I've I not even that. opened. That every semester. <laughs> Yo, and the, and the syllabus makes it sound like you need them, right? Mm -hmm. Like it makes it sound like, oh, if you don't have the book, you're going to fail. You won't be able to do any of the assignments. I'm like, okay, I bought literally every book, rented every book, literally not one of them I've ever even opened. And I'm like, am I, is this for real right now? Because this is like $300 worth of books that I just threw away. Ugh. So next semester, I'm just going to not do it until it becomes, like, until it becomes a problem. Yeah, I think that's my plan for senior year. Just be like, no, I'm not going to buy my books because you're tricking me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, you guys are in bed with the book, with the school book industry. <laughs> apparently, apparently you guys in Scholastic have some deal to, like, get us to make, buy all these books that we're never going to use. Especially when it's like, and I do this, I make this mistake every time. Like, I buy books for history class. It's all on the internet. Why am I buying oh books? Why am I buying any books for history? Not only is it literally the subject I'm the best in, but it's all on the internet. So why would I do that? <laughs> or like math books. Uh. Like, math books I can get because there's probably problems in the books. You know what I mean? Uh. But like, 
yeah, I don't know. It's just stupid. Or like anthrop, like I have an anthropology class. I'm like, I've never opened the two books that you've made us get. Or my New Testament class, like never opened the book Foundations of Christian Life. We had three books for that class. I didn't open not one of them. Oh my god. Yeah, it's this is stupid. I'm never buying books again. We hate books. That's our conclusion. <laughs> I hate, yeah, I hate, I hate, and they're so expensive. Ugh, Why are books so expensive? I don't, I've never understood that. Somebody needs to explain that to me because school books are like <laughs> unnecessarily expensive. Uh, yeah, I but, agree. Like, I don't know why I need to spend 50 bucks on this like book about God only knows what it's, what's, what's in there, whatever. Choose a subject. They're all expensive. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Like my like I had a statistics class. I mentioned that earlier. That book was like over a hundred dollars. I was like, for what? For what is this book over a hundred dollars for? To teach me math? Oh There's an Indian guy on YouTube, <laughs> Khan Academy, and they they'll do that for me for free. <laughs> Some Indian dude on YouTube will teach me math for free. Why am I paying money for this stupid book? Oh my god. Literally. Oh my goodness. Do you know anybody who's been affected by coronavirus? Um, I do. Oh, shoot. I probably shouldn't say it on this, but yeah, someone I know very well has been affected by it. Are they okay? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm okay. <laughs> What'd you say? They said I think I'm okay. We uh, managed to cut this part out. I said are they okay? It. I know, but it's me. I'm the first oh my gosh what <laughs> yeah okay i'm sorry i'm dumb guys i totally like didn't even put that any of that together i was like what why is that funny yeah we'll probably cut this out but i did i got i got coronavirus so oh but you don't have um, any symptoms yeah i it was actually very mild like i wasn't even there was like a few days where i was like i feel like i just got hit by a truck but i was fine i had no fever I just had, like, cold symptoms, like a sore throat, and then I'm still experiencing this one. I have a loss of taste and smell. I can't taste anything. Oh, shoot. Um, yeah, which is a new symptom that has come up, but I'm not contagious anymore. It was, like, so mild, so I'm, like, totally cool, but, yeah. Yeah, that seems to be the case with a lot of people. Is like, yeah. it's either really mild or, like, it's, like, super treatable. It's only uh-huh. really, like, old people... Or people with, like, pre- pre-existing, like, respiratory conditions that, like, get hit hard by coronavirus. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. All right. Bombshell. Eduardo is going to win, a po- uh, is gonna win like, some sort of news prize for that. First person <laughs> to interview somebody with coronavirus on a podcast. <laughs> wow. Uh, so you, so you just, like, so, wow. So, like. Are you just, like, stuck in your room forever? <laughs> um, so I'm actually able to be out of quarantine. Um, oh, okay. Because, yeah, you're not I'm contagious. not contagious anymore. Oh, okay. So my family needs to quarantine because they might have it. But as oh, far dang. As, yeah, as far as we know, I'm fine. Everyone is totally fine. So we got really lucky. Well, that's good. Well, I should we should open with that. <laughs> I'm going to title this podcast, Interview with Coronavirus Theater Major. <laughs> I don't do that. All right, so here's a question I want to ask you because I'm always, because you know me, you've known me since high school. I love movies, I like asking people about 
what they're watching. Um, what? Okay, A. Okay, here's what I want to know. Here's like a multifaceted question. I want to know what show you're watching currently, if you are watching one, and what your favorite movie of last year was. Okay. Um, hold on one second. Thank you. Now you're on the podcast, Mom. <laughs> um, okay, so my favorite movie is from 2019. And what show I'm currently watching. Yes. Okay, I'm currently watching All American, which is on Netflix. What is that? <laughs> I've never even heard of that. <laughs> um, so... About, I guess it's based off a true story. It's about a football player, um, and I guess I'm assuming he goes to the NFL eventually, because that's his goal. So it's a really good show, honestly. I've been kind of binging it. Is it um, like a doc? Is it like a documentary or like it's like a dramatic show? No, it's like a dramatic show. Oh, okay. So based in California, and I'm trying to think what I oh what was I watching before. Um, I think I was watching Shameless and On My Block before. Uh, I know many people are into On My Block, and I'm like so out of the loop, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> yeah, and it's I, pretty good. I know it's Shameless. Is. Oh, wait, do you have like that Hulu, Showtime, Spotify, student discount, whatever thing? I do, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's where I, I recently just jumped on that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all this extra content now. Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah, currently I'm watching a uh, a mini series called Devs that FX Ooh. is doing. It's so weird, and there's only two episodes left, and I still don't know if I if it's a good show or a bad show. Oh, that's the worst. It's like you like keep watching it because you're like, I think it's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm like still watching it because like sometimes it gets interesting, but like the person who made it, his name is Alex Garland. And he made this movie mm-hmm. Ex Machina, and he made this other movie called Annihilation. And, like... Oh, yeah. Those are movies, like... Well, people love Ex Machina. Annihilation is controversial in the opinions of people. But, like, I feel like like his work, I find it, like, really hard to connect with. Like, I had to watch Ex mm-hmm. Machina three times before I liked it. And then, like, I've mm-hmm. only seen Annihilation once, and I've never felt the desire to return to it. <laughs> and... <laughs> And Devs is like, I don't know, it's all about, like, alternate realities and, like, the probability of, like, quantum physics and, like, oh other universes that exist parallel to our universe and, like, trying to get in touch with that but, like, recreate it in our universe as, like, it's, like, weird theoretical physics. Like, that's, like, the whole show. Wow. And it's very, like... It's very strange, and I don't know. It just feels like, I feel like so just emotionally distant from everything that's going on in it that I'm like, I'm not sure if I like this show or I hate this show. So, Mm. but I'm like, I need to know what happens because I'm six episodes in and there's only two episodes left (laughs) and then it's over forever. So I'm like, I guess I just have to stick this out. (laughs) Yeah, I'm also interested, I'll probably start watching, um, Either Unorthodox or Tiger King next. Oh, Tiger King looks interesting. 
Yeah. That guy I'm ran. That guy ran for president in 2016, Joe Exotic. Are you sure? Yeah, John Oliver oh. had done a whole segment about third-party candidates, which nowadays I'm like, the segment is awful. But because now I'm like the ultimate person who's like, yeah, we should all just vote third-party. But um, but Joe Exotic was one of the people that he covered. <laughs> and I remember just being like, what? Who is this guy? And then Tiger King came out, and I was like, that's the guy. That's the guy yeah. who ran for president. Yeah, it, it's all, yeah, he's, everything is weird. Everything's all, the world has gone crazy. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, and then there's this show that I've been seeing on Netflix called Unorthodox, so it looks really good. What is that? Is it about Jews? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> because I saw something and I was like, is that a Jewish person? And then, is it about Jews? What is it? I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I've just seen like a small clip of it. Let's oh. see. A hadistic Jewish woman in okay. Brooklyn flees to Berlin from an arranged marriage and is taken in by a group of musicians until her past comes calling. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I figured it was about Hasidic Jews. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I was like, what else would it be? I was like, because nobody ever talks about Orthodox Christianity. That's like on nobody's radar, unless you're from yeah. like Eastern Europe. But, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> So I think, and then the only other th- show I think I'm watching is uh, Narcos, Mexico season two. Okay, I started watching it and I didn't finish it. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Narcos. That's like my favorite Netflix, like Netflix made by Netflix show. Wow. That show is like too good. But yeah, so favorite movie of 2019. Or if you can't pick mm. one, favorites of 2019. So I saw here are all the ones I saw, and I have a few that I really like. So I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Um, I saw Little Women, Ooh. Marriage Story, okay. Midsummer, and Joker. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So you saw wow. That's so you, you kind of like <laughs> wow. That was all the movies you saw in 2019. You narrowed it down to like just like you basically just only hit the like really quality movies of 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I do. You know. No. Um, I would say either Little Women or Marriage Story or Midsummer were probably my favorites. Wow. All right. Midsummer. I only... What did you like about those movies? Because I'm curious. So Little Women, I mean, I love the story. It's a classic. And also, like, just everything was so quality. Like, and Sosie Ronan. I'm a huge Sosie Ronan person. I think we both are. Yes. Um, so, yeah, and I remember I made a big deal about you looking like Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> yes. One of those people. <laughs> um, so I just love her. She was just like, uh, yeah, she was incredible as Joe. Um, I freaking love her. Um, but everything was just so well done. And then um, Marriage Story, I loved both of the actors, and I just loved the story in general. Um they're just really good. That's my type of stuff. Like, I'm the type of person who loves, like, I absolutely love the ending of La La Land. Like, I love the heartbreaking ending. Yes. So, like, somebody Marriage. else on the same team yes. as me, finally. And people look at me and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I like realistic, bad endings. Bro, <laughs> I watched La La Land with two people from BCA when it came out. Like, uh-huh. Just because for some reason we were all hanging out. And it's like the weirdest 
thing that I was, it was these two people. But, um, yeah, and I remember one of them was complaining hardcore about the ending. And I was like, bruh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, you no, are you it. are unenlightened. Um, so Mary's story, I liked the way it ended. And it was just a good story. And uh, it was just incredible. Um, and then Midsummer, it was just... It was so strange. <laughs> yeah. And I liked that. I did, liked how different it was, I think. Did you see Hereditary? No, I haven't. So that was the movie that director made prior. And it was that director's first movie. And that movie is like one of my favorite movies of like the decade. Wow. And it's like I liked Midsommar. And I feel like my only issue with it was like I felt like it was a little too long. Although Mm -hmm. for some reason I also want to see the like director's cut, which is like 30 minutes longer. (laughs) Because I'm like, I wonder how much more stuff was in it. But yeah, that movie, that movie is, that movie was wild. I remember I looked over, because I went and I saw it, and I remember I looked over, and somebody, there was this dude in my row who just had this most horrified look on his face for like the entire movie. <laughs> like he was like stuck in like just this sheer, just like just array of terror for like all of it. Wow. Were you scared by it? Because I wasn't scared at all. <laughs> I wasn't scared. I was just like I- intrigued. And like Florence Pugh, like Yeah, she's good. Oh my gosh. She's good. I was like, who is this woman? Um Yeah, I wasn't really scared. I think I was grossed out and just like what is happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was a lot of stuff where I was like, Oh shoot, that's I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, oh. oh I was like, all right, this is not where I thought we were going with this. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I actually really, I really did appreciate that movie, though. That was that was definitely a good one. And I liked Marriage Story a lot, um, although it didn't make my top 10 for 2019, which mm. is weird because I feel like I had it on there, like, all the way up until I made the list. And then while I was yeah. making my list, I was like, this movie is not on this list. <laughs> There's so much more that I liked. And then would you say huh. Little Women? Little Women was absolutely one of my favorite movies of last year. Like, yeah, I I fell in love with that movie. Like, while I was like, I fell in love with it so much that like when I got home from the theater, I was like, because the Louis May Alcott house is in Concord, Mass. And I was like, how yeah. much is it to go there? Like, I was trying to figure out how to get there. I was like, I need to go see this place. And then I watched the 1990s version of Little Women, like, when I got yeah. home. I was like, I'm immediately putting that on and watching it. And I was like, yeah, that was, yeah, that movie was awesome. Once, yeah, it was so good. Yeah. And then Joker and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, those movies are quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. How did you feel are about you the, those- huh? What? Go ahead. No, no. Continue what you're saying, because my question will lead into a whole discussion. Oh, I was just going to say, are you one of those people who liked Joker or who did it? Because I didn't realize what a big controversy it was. Oh, really? You didn't? <laughs> Joker? Yeah, well, I was like, it's a good movie. <laughs> so Joker was my favorite movie of last year. Okay. And it wasn't my favorite movie of last year until like a couple weeks ago. Not even a couple oh, wow. weeks ago, like last week. Because my favorite movie of the year until I, because I, until like last week or two weeks ago, was Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Really? I haven't seen that. 
it. That movie was crazy and insane. It was like that and The Irishman on Netflix were like my two, like my 1A and 1B, basically. Um, But no, yeah, that was my favorite movie for a while because I was just like super just, I don't know, that movie was just like a lot of things that I really, really liked. Um, And Adam Sandler was snubbed for best actor, not going to lie, which is a weird thing to say in life (laughs) that Adam Sandler should have been nominated for an Oscar, but but he killed it in that movie. Um, But yeah, but I watched Joker like two more times. um, And the third time I watched it, which was two weeks ago, I was literally like, I don't think I like, I don't think I'm having as good a time with any other movie this year than I had with this movie. And I like all the, I don't know, once he hits that transition point where like he becomes the Joker, like that scene where the music is playing and he's walking to the elevator and then he like turns around and the elevator door shuts. I, I like, there's just something about that that like transcends like, any feeling I've ever had for like any movie this year where I'm just like, holy crap. Like this is like, this is something else. Yeah. Which is weird. Cause that movie yeah. is written and directed by the guy who drew, who made the hangover trilogy <laughs> and like wow. all of the sudden he like became like this crazy, auteur filmmaker, like out of nowhere. And we're all like, Oh shoot, look at this guy. Um, but yeah. how do you feel about the ending of once upon a time in Hollywood? Because that is controversial. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember. So the ending is when, like, is that the house where people are killed and stuff? Yes, yes. (laughs) I freaking loved Leonardo DiCaprio with the, um... With the blowtorch? Oh, my God! (laughs) That is my mood for my life. Like, I was just like, holy crap, that's my favorite part. Um... Oh my god! No, I liked the ending. I I didn't feel like yeah. What's the current controversy over? Like, Everybody's just like like everybody is like oh my gosh! Like Brad Pitt is beating up this woman and like <laughs> they're like I loved it. I'm sorry, bro, I loved it. <laughs> it was it was cool. Well, because it's like it doesn't matter if they're women or men. They're like literally crazy serial killers going to murder yeah. these people. Like, like, bro, the gloves are off at that point. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going down. Honestly. And, um, yeah, I hate that. Like, the, I'm a feminist. I am a feminist. But, like, come on. If they're a psycho killer, please punch them in the face. Yeah, exactly. But that was just, bro, and he, yeah, there's just so much. I love the music. Um, mm. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember what song got played, but I listened to it for, like, literally weeks. Like, for weeks, I had a playlist with just that song in it, and I would listen to that while I was, like, doing stuff. Like, ah, uh, man, it's, uh, I, for, I can't even remember what the heck the song is. I'm going to have to listen to it later today and find out, because I, w- I was just blown away by, um, by that last scene. I love Brad Pitt. He's, like, on acid, and he's, like, not really totally oh sure what's God. going on. And then, um, I, I love it. Yeah, and I love, I love that scene where the guy was, like, he was like, who are you? And he was like, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. And he's like, nah, it was something dumber than that. <laughs> something like, yeah, Rex. And then the girl's like, shoot him, Tex. And he was like, that's what it was. And then he calls the dog, and the dog attacks him. <laughs> I know. I was like, and, um, bro. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, 
I love the scene when Leonardo's like in his trailer and he's like, okay, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And then he does it and he gets so mad at him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's like flipping out. He's like having like a full scale emotional breakdown. And he's like, and he's telling himself he's going to kill himself if he drinks again. And then like, and then all of a sudden he like pour he like starts drinking and then he's like, what? And he like throws it away. I, <laughs> I, I love that scene. That was, that was so enough. good. The first time I watched that movie, I did not like it, though. Really? I literally was so bored, and I think I expected something a lot different um, uh-huh. when I went into it to the first time, and I think that's just because, like, I've seen all the other Tarantino movies, so, like, when I saw that, I remember just being like, wow, this is, like, really slow and slowed down. But then when I watched it a second time, I took my dad to go see it because he really wanted to go watch it. And then, like, knowing what I was getting into prior, I was like, oh, this is, like, the most fun ever. Like, just these two dudes hanging out for, like, literally two and a- two hours and 45 minutes. Like, this is legit. And, like, they just go around and, like, you get to see all the old Hollywood stuff and that ending, though. And I love when <laughs> she that chick, like, busts out the window and she falls into the yeah. pool, and, and um, Leonardo DiCaprio's just sitting, just laying in the, on his, like, floating, and he's like, what the heck? And then, and he, like, walks over to her, and she pops up, and he's like, oh, jeez. And then he goes, grabs the flamethrower, he just tortures her to death. Like, that was, that's, like, something you think you would never see in a movie. <laughs> yeah. That's what you mean. Yeah, I think for a lot of it, I was like, this is really slow. But then... I feel like as soon as the ending happened, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah, I called that ending like two years ago when that movie was announced. When they were like, oh my gosh. when he was like, when they when they announced, they were like, oh, Tarantino's going to make a movie and it's going to involve the Sharon Tate, Charlie Manson murders in it. And I was literally like, I guarantee you he's going to do what he did in Inglorious Bastards, which is he's going to have this like ending that is like completely different from history. And I guarantee you, like, Sharon Tate is going to be alive at the end and that those Manson people are going to get, like, straight up murdered hardcore. And then I watched the movie and I was like, oh, I called it. I called it so much. Although I thought it was going to end with her being, like, hardcore and killing them. That was the one thing I I didn't get. Yeah. I was pretty sure, like, what was going to end up happening was, like, I don't know, Sharon Tate was going to be in some sort of movie where she learned how to shoot guns and stuff like that. And then they were going to attack her and she was just going to, like go all berserk on them and murder them but yeah i really do i love that movie though that was definitely that was definitely one of the biggest treats of last year yeah i agree i should recommend you this though you should watch have have you heard of the movie the farewell i think i've heard of it that's a movie that you should definitely check out if you have the chance okay that movie is that movie is one of the most heartwarming and like very emotional movies that I saw last year. Ooh, wow. Yes. I'm sure I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think we've pretty much come to the end of everything we we meant to talk about unless they're oh, oh, okay. Where can they find you, Lydia? Where can where can the audience connect with you? Oh, where what can thi- people find me? Well, yeah, what what <laughs> things are you doing? What are you up to now? to close this out yeah so um well you can find me on instagram as 
Lydia M. Safford. That is where I'm at. Um, I also have a blog site that I have kind of ignored for a month or so. Oh, shit. But <laughs> um, it's called The Art of Life. So that's in my Instagram bio as well. Okay. Um, what am I working on? Um, I'm just trying to, like, take every day as it comes um, in this time that's really challenging. But um, I'm hoping, I'm taking a directing class at school right now. And so I'm hoping to direct a show next year, a student show. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I'm, like, waiting to hear back about that because I, like, want to start planning already. So if I get that opportunity, that will take up a lot of my summer just planning away. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what I'm up to. I've been really interested in, like, writing and guitar again, which is really cool. So, yeah, just trying to be as creative as I can during this quarantine <laughs> i feel you i feel you. it's definitely a struggle i've been yeah definitely I've, I've started using the calendar app in my phone for like the first time ever and mm. i always have like i i've like i'm literally like i cannot waste a day anymore <laughs> like i'm 21 years old like there's no more wasting days <laughs> there's no more doing nothing <laughs> i'm like i have to like oh, get sad. get making i know right it's 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 i'm having like a midlife crisis about my own future um not really but but yeah so everybody at lydia m safford and her blog the art of life and hopefully we can see some work that you've done in the future you used to have a youtube channel called 2949 miles but it's been inactive lately (laughs) oh my god yeah i've thought about jumping on youtube again but we'll see we'll see on phone i I encourage it i encourage it okay good to know good to know i have a supporter yes i'll be your first subscriber if you do your like solo channel or whatever like that you you begin your solo career like like harry styles and paul mccartney um (laughs) but yeah no so you could you guys can follow her there as always you guys can i mean if you're listening to this then you should just follow truth justice in the podcast because you know peak podcasting content psych um but yeah but thank you for being on i really appreciate it oh my gosh thank you for having me this is this has been really cool yes Even just like catch up with you yeah exactly yes it's been a very long time since we've even like spoken um but it was my goal for 2020 to have more guests on the podcast because i love talking to people and not just being on here by myself talking about movies. So. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So it's nice to have another guest on. Um, and yeah, just everybody stay safe. Wear your masks. Don't cough in people's faces. Wash your hands. Don't, hoard, don't hoard the toilet paper. It's not going to save you. Let's be real here. <laughs> your toilet paper is not going to save your life from coronavirus. I still, I to this you. day. Do you know why people are doing that? Because I don't know. People are just, I, I don't even know. I, I've tried not to explain it because I can't. <laughs> have you seen, like, the Mad Max Fury Road movie? I have, yeah. So everybody, uh, one of one, one thing that some people say about that movie is they're like, oh, people aren't like that. We're so advanced. Like, that would never happen. Like, mm. 
And I'm like, if coronavirus taught us anything, it's that literally like the roles of people like break down so exponentially when there's a crisis. <laughs> like we will enter Mad Max world like instantaneously oh if gosh. anything goes wrong. <laughs> like people I are hoarding food. Like, I'm like, if this is what's happening for a virus that is very similar to the flu. I know like, that, that that isn't even as dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's like nuclear warfare. 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 I can't even say it. Oh my god. Like we're done. People are gonna go crazy. I don't trust anyone. That's yeah. what this is me. Yeah, it'll be yeah, it'll be straight up. Like people are hoarding food, like we're not in a food shortage. Nobody oh ever god. said we're running out of food, but everybody's hoarding food like crazy. Like people are doing like, it like... has nothing to do with it. <laughs> exactly. It's like wash your hands. Buy um and you know what everybody's buying this toilet paper you know what nobody's buying soap. <laughs> Does anybody <laughs> want to explain that to me? Does anybody want to? Ex- you. you anybody want to explain that to me? Why every soap shelf in the supermarket is full but there's no toilet paper? That bro, literally, because honestly, I don't, I don't understand. Like that had to have been something that like somebody probably like made a joke on Facebook, and some moms probably saw that and like thought it was legit, and they sent all their husbands out to go hoard some toilet paper, and then eventually the whole oh, world God. caught on. Like that's how I imagine those things happening. I think that's exactly how it happened. Yeah, probably. <laughs> People are like fighting each other in Australia for toilet paper. I'm like, come on. This is too much. But yeah, thank you guys for being around for another episode. Thank you, Lydia, once again for being on. And uh, Yes, thank you for having me. Yes, there will be more episodes to, to happen during this quarantine. So look out for those, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Or, well, I'll see you guys next time. Lydia will not, but, you know. I'll be listening. Yeah, she'll be listening for next time. <laughs> All right, see you guys.